tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Johnson. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey guys, welcome into the Season 7, Episode 1, uh, first episode back in the new season after show of The Good Wife right here on AfterBuzz TV. We are talking episodes called Bond today, tonight, this beautiful Sunday night, the first Sunday in October. I'm Bobby DeMuro, as always. That is Tara Johnson. What up? As always. Allison Law is with us. She's not here today. She is actually at homecoming. That's right. Um, unlike you and I, who are pushing 50, uh, Allison speak for is... Yourself. <laughs> Allison is young enough to still care about homecoming, so good for her. Uh, she's back at her college homecoming. Not her high school, her college. At her college. Um, we're talking Good Wife today, the first episode of the seventh season. Before we get started, a couple quick things. As we always say, hit subscribe on YouTube, on iTunes, rate us, review us. You can tweet us at TJ Wagon or Tail. Always Wagon. Always Wagon. At Bobby Demuro. You can tweet us right now. We have our phones on the desk, which is terrible for the microphones, and the producers get mad at us, but we just can't stop tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> I think either a producer is mad at us or somebody just died in the control room. One or the other. Either way. Um, <laughs> and one other thing, and this is this is kind of funny. So After Buzz last week, I know a lot of folks watch a bunch of After Buzz shows. Mm-hmm. But if you only watch The Good Wife and if you were gone all summer and you're just returning now, which is cool, welcome back. We moved into new studios. Yep. This is a new studio. Everything at home for the viewer is pretty much the same. Uh, but when you move studios, you sometimes have a few hiccups along the way. Couple. Just a few. Today's hiccup <laughs> was we missed like eight minutes of The Good Wife. Yeah. <laughs> so we record these shows. We watch the East Coast feed here on the West Coast. And because of football, The Good Wife got pushed back 20 minutes or whatever. Right. And we ended up missing, we, we missed a record of like eight minutes of it. So we got the recap. We know what happens anyways. We read up a ton of stuff on Twitter. Um, but if we missed anything in those eight minutes, if you think like we're totally missing something, comment on YouTube. Let us know. Let us know. We're, we're, we're not stupid. I mean, you're not stupid at all. I'm stupid in a lot of ways. <laughs> this specifically, we're not stupid right. for. We just right. missed a couple. There's, there's a there's a black hole, right? And in so. the spirit of full disclosure, since we are doing the good yeah, wife, we, we figured we just right yeah. come clean. So, but we have that ironed out. Hopefully, that won't happen next week. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we've got all that ironed out. So, just one of those new studio things. All right, let's get into it. We got a lot to talk about yeah. today. Um, first things first. How happy are you that it's back? Scale of one to ten. The only acceptable answer is twelve. It was really, to me, and I've seen a few season premieres this year, this was top-notch. Mm-hmm. Like, really top-notch. I have, for it to be the first episode of season seven of a show, so many predictions going on in my head. They, like, started so many storylines that can go so many different ways, threw us a curveball right at the top. Excellent. Did a fantastic job. I'm so excited for the season. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I didn't think I'd love the show. We talked about this last year. Mm-hmm. We talked about this time, you know, every so often. I this is not I am not the target demographic for this show. Even to an extent you aren't either. This is a show geared geared for older people. This right. is a show definitely geared for older people. 
I love it. It's it well was, written. Aw. It's well acted. This is common sense. Y'all already know because you watch the show. You watch the after show. But of all the afterbus shows I do, and we both do a lot. Yeah. There's nothing I dislike. Like I do Kardashians and goofy stuff. There's nothing I dislike. But the last ship. I don't know if you've seen. It, it's great. That and The Good Wife are the two shows where I'm like, thank God. Yeah. You get to watch for an hour. This is wonderful. I've been waiting for this all week. Yeah. It's truly that show. It's a really good show. And to, to start season seven, where normally with so many shows after season four, maybe five, mm-hmm. it starts to just stretch it and push it. This is going in a completely strong, different direction, which could lead to another four or five seasons. And we've talked about the fact that we don't think it's going to happen that way. But this was a fantastic start to season season seven. I love it. Let's let's start at the start of season seven. I want to talk Peter and President, and I may have a Donald Trump prediction and all this oh, kind of stuff. Lord. But let's start with <laughs> let's start with our new Bond attorney, Miss mm-hmm. Alicia Flora, getting no respect in the courthouse. None. Uh, does she deserve any though? D- is the judge right when he says this is essentially a vanity play for you? I think he's absolutely right because so many things. I mean, I've said it before. That even when Alicia was supposed to be at her lowest, let's take it back to season one, episode one pilot, she was still walking into one of the top firms in Chicago, right? And there's nothing against bar attorneys or, you know, public defenders or anything of the nature, but it's a different ball game. And it really is not about all the time quality, as we can see. It's about quantity and being able to collect what you can collect and speak quickly on your feet. And we've seen Alicia do that tons of time in court, but... That's after the backing of what, how many associates that's done, how much research and, you know, conferences with partners and that type of thing. This is a different ball game. And it's really interesting to see her attempting to make it in this new world, whereas all those things before being the state's attorney's wife and the governor's wife and running for state's attorney were pluses in her in her favor. Now all of those things are negatives to her to her. And she has to make her way in a completely different world. You're talking about a fish out of water. This is not her water at all. Well, and, and, and this isn't a lot of our water mm-hmm. either. I mean, you you have a legal background. You do this for a living. I know you don't do the criminal side, but you do right. this for a living. So you see this and you say that's the way court is right. in this case. I see it with with a dad who's a lawyer. Like, I should be familiar with it. And I'm like, what the hell is this? It's this, a different world. It, it's a commentary on society and community without being preachy and i wish and i hope that they dive into this so luca luca quinn it looks like we're gonna have her for a while let's just let's just say that right um and we'll talk more about her in a second but i hope they dive more into her background as this kind of attorney Mm -hmm. into how unfair or or maybe more diplomatically how um some the the criminal justice system is more fair for some people than it is for others no it's true and and this is their way to do it without being preachy without watching it and say oh well they're making a political statement. Well, sure, they're making a political statement, but it's done behind this veil of art, and it's done in such a classier and, I think, more nuanced way that you see it, I see it, and it's like something – this is one of those conversation starters about how does criminal justice change, and this isn't – that conversation's been going forever. The right. good wife didn't start it. Right. But, but this is in introducing potentially new people to that side of the law. Yeah, I mean, look at the way we start with that whole montage. I wasn't quite sure where we were going. I mean, I thought it might have – could have been, you know, another – you know, special victims unit where you're taking something, ripping it from the headlines, which is, you know, the good wife doesn't normally do, but I didn't know where it was going to go. So the direction where they took it, talking about the bar attorneys and really talking about that difference in the criminal system. And even the way the judge said it, 
you are destitute, but not enough to get a public defender. So you're kind of in this gray area. So we're going to help you. But really, are we helping you? Because we're giving these attorneys, we're paying them, what, 135 bucks per case. Mm-hmm. They're getting 25 of them. I have to decide on these cases 90 seconds, you know, one case per 90 seconds. It's clearly not about the, the quality defense. It's about, and his whole message the entire time was, don't back me up, don't back me up, don't back me up. So it's not about the quality of the defense you're getting. It's simply numbers. Yeah. It's just churning people out. That's it. And it's and, and we can't go off on this tangent because right, we'll right. be there for hours, but it's it's the prison industrial complex. Mm-hmm. It's all this kind of stuff that are such serious issues. And right. this is part of the root of that. So I hope they go into it more. And Me I too. hope I hope Alicia keeps seeing more of this. Mm-hmm. I think even with Luca, whatever her next law firm will be or whatever, if she takes a canning job, I kind of doubt it, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I hope that they if she partners up with Luca or whatever, that they do either pro bono work like right. this or take on clients like this so you can see this side of it. Because all the cases that they get, like uh, Chum Hum and all these things that yeah. they've had in the past, they're so much fun and some of them are funny and some of them are sleazy and whatever. But this is another serious side of the law that, that I think they could value and we could value from watching. No, definitely. I hope they can. You're right. I hope regardless of where they go and if everyone does go into practice with Lewis, and we can definitely talk about that in predictions. Cool. Um, I hope they do continue to touch upon this because even though we can't dive into it, it's something that you can dive into at your next cocktail party and have that conversation. Because Ooh, I that's think a tough that, conversation at it, a cocktail but party. I th- but I think it's, you know, that's what they're trying to do with this this with this with show. They want to give you enough to st- start the conversation, and we all have to take it from there. Yeah, and they're certainly going to do it with the presidential race, too, because I cannot wait to see how they play this race. They've already got it with Peter being a vanity candidate, mm-hmm. not being a real one, just trying to get the next thing. And whether it's a book deal or speaking to or the vice presidency or a cabinet position, this is that, too. Yeah. Um, so I guess by the end of the episode, did uh, uh, did Alicia prove herself to Judge Schakowsky? Did Alicia prove herself in that instance? And are we going to see more of her as a bar attorney? I don't think she proved herself yet because she was she was given sympathy from from Luca in order to even get cases. We saw her win some and lose some. And I think that's what we have to learn in this type of legal practice. That's what it is. And you can't get caught up just like Alicia would get so caught up in all of her cases before you you can't get that invested. It's really about getting them to check that box number four so you can get paid the 135 bucks and moving on. I don't think she's gained the judge's um, respect. I don't think she's gained the other bar attorney's respect. I think she's gained Luca's respect only because it's another woman in that arena and she doesn't want to see her fail. And she just thinks this woman's not going to stop. But I also have my ideas about if Luca was really sent there honestly or if she was a plant or. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. just, just drop the veil yeah, right now. I, I do. I My feeling about Luca is it was almost too convenient. And my thinking is she and Lewis, at least at the end of the episode, when she and Luca and Alicia are at the bar. She conveniently goes and dances by herself, which is fine. You know, find your own invisible partner, do whatever you're going to do. And then when she does that, Lewis comes into the scene. So to me, I'm thinking maybe she and Lewis have been working together the entire time. And as soon as you found everyone found out that Alicia was going to be a bar attorney, because it has to be public record. Like you had to file something to, you know, to be approved by the bar. Lewis put this whole thing in motion. That's what I'm thinking. Bam. Wow. Bam and bam. <laughs> and I mean, you wouldn't put anything past Lewis, right? Lewis, Lewis, if, if Alicia came next episode and said, I've decided I'm going to run for president too, you would almost say, hey, Lewis is probably behind it. Lewis or Eli are both. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't think sure. he'd twice. But that, that was my thinking. It was just too convenient. And I'm not saying that Luke isn't a nice person, but 
the timing of it was just too convenient. And that, wow. I think from the middle of the episode when she gave those cases to Alicia, that was my thinking. I was like, something is working too well and this machine is, is oiled too well. Hmm. Interesting. That That's a hell of a prediction. Sound off on that in the comments on YouTube. I should Please. say, we check the comments, obviously, every week. The tweets, uh, TJ Wagoner Tail at Bobby DeMuro. Uh, I would love to hear more of that. Yeah. So I guess we'll find out soon in one of these 2022 episodes. Um, all right, let's move on to the Smolders case. Still Alicia. Actually, still Luca a little bit, too. Right. Uh, and the Chagall painting. Only, I say only, but these are lawyers, so maybe it's every lawyer. But in this in this show, only Diane and uh, Alicia and 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 David Lee could have this simple fifty fifty case right. go with an aerodynamic expert. And what was the other one? What was I the next expert? I don't even know. It was it, it first became. A, we we should know this because we didn't miss this part. Yeah, this that's was true. not in the eight minutes we missed. We it should was know an this aerodynamic. One. Then there became a was it someone who was an expert in? And I loved how they never said post it notes. Yeah. Don't want to pay that money. <laughs> um, it was three different experts. It was, and I and I forget the second one. It was like a fall. Well, aerodynamics was the fall, right? It was also a um, oh god, what was I, it? I can't I can't remember. I just know I was with the judge, and it was like, really? Yeah. that's a job. <laughs> that's where I was. I was like, really? Are you guys making this up now? It stuck on the aerodynamics expert for me because the guy who played the aerodynamics expert was was if anybody's seen Salem, most people haven't. Was George Sibley in Salem the last couple of years? A really evil character. On Salem. So I saw him and I was like, George, <laughs> you're supposed to be dead. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, he I mean, was that, brilliant. that happens a lot on this show. Like you see guest stars right, cross over right. all the time. But for me, that was the aerodynamics expert, George Sibley, was my guy. Um, yeah, only Diane and Alicia would do a case like this. And poor, you know, Miss Smolders, the younger Miss Smolders, was probably like, I don't even good? know. But can we really say Alicia David? And Diane, I think it was really just Diane and David because Alicia was like, okay, let's go 50%. It makes perfect sense to me. Then they started taking it personally. She's like, I'm just trying to get through a case. But are you taking it personally? See, that's that's the thing. That's why David Lee can skirt on so much of this stuff that we see him as unethical or whatever. But there's that weird, I hate to say it, gray area. Like there's that weird dotted line between – unethical and doing the best for your client. So like, did David do anything illegal? No, for sure not. Did he do anything like, like inside baseball, like little ticky tack? Right. Yes. But like, if, if this is your client, if it's eight million bucks, like it's a big account for you, it's a big life changing thing for the client. Eh, you know, I couldn't be a lawyer. I would just be like, eh, 50, 50, but you got to have that like shark mentality. I agree. And I, I do think he advocated for his client, but I think the sharky park, what part was, for he and Diane to stand there as David was talking on the phone with Alicia and go, we're just going to go 50-50. Because what that did to her was, okay, that's fine. We'll come to court. We'll do 50-50 right out of there in 15 minutes. They said we're going to go with 50-50, get into court, and you have this whatever, whatever, this guy with a title that has 15 words in it from a university with another 15 words who's like <laughs> done this study. You know what I mean? That's what I mean by them being underhanded. If you're going to come and fight out, fight for your client, that's that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And you're trying to get your share of this $8 million. Just be honest about it. But you, again, tried to be underhanded, and that's what gives you a bad name and a bad rap. And I'm surprised. I mean, I know why they went after Alicia, and obviously it's part of the show, and this is a major part of the show, so you need them to go after Alicia in the show. But just if this were actually reality, they know how capable Alicia is, and I know she's undermanned. But when they come with the first expert, and then Alicia comes over the top totally. with the aerodynamics expert, right. they would probably come back in real life and say, hey, 50-50 is good. Right. <laughs> we'll do 50-50. Right. But I think the thing is that 
they were banking on the fact that she couldn't pull out those stops. But yeah. little did they know, she had Super Grace at home, who's now her receptionist, assistant, legal researcher, who was able to hire people at an hourly rate. So I love how they threw in this those little details, because normally... Alicia, and when she was at the law firm, would have thrown hundreds of thousands of dollars at whatever expert to get whatever opinion she wanted. But yeah. now it's, let's find such and such at an hourly rate because things are different. So I don't think they expected her to be on the game like that. They just didn't think she had the resources, the time. But come on, when you get those skills, you have those skills. You can pull it out from anywhere. That's a great job, too. These experts who get paid hourly rates to testify in court about everything. This is a thing. I mean, people do this. That's a good gig, man. That is a great gig. I, my my lawyer father tells me these stories of, of retired policemen, retired detectives, who are, you know, ballistics experts, mm-hmm. or, or forensic, whatever experts, and they get paid a pretty penny. Yes, they you know? do. Now, you got to work on some, depending on the cases, aerodynamics is a little bit different. Sometimes you got to work on some bad yeah. cases. Yeah, it's not fun, but, but the check might be. <laughs> it ain't a bad gig. It's <laughs> tough. I mean, you're getting examined by lawyers. It's a tough thing. But uh, that's a little window into that, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I think from everything, I mean, you know much more about the law than I do, but the, the little that I know and the much more that you know, I think this show, and it should and it does and it always has, represents law very, very, very well while still being very, very, very TV-oriented. Right, yeah. You know? um, it doesn't get dry and boring. It's technical, right. but it's also... I think it does a good job on that. And, you know, by se- by season seven, with as many Emmys as this thing has been nominated, right. what do you expect? Well, I mean, for me watching it, yeah, even though I have a legal background, at least one time in the show, I have to Google something they say just to make sure I'm up on whatever. Like they kept saying BFW. And I was like, what is what is a BFW? So I had to look at, look that up and figure out what that. We, what is that? It's a, B, a BFW <laughs> is know. a bond forfeiture warrant. Oh, so there are certain terms that they use that I don't know. So they're still very legal. So is that somebody who skips out on bond or Some, leaves yeah. jail and then doesn't come back for the thing? Because they mentioned with the guy, with yeah. the guy you have two BFWs. Two, two okay. BFWs, right. Gotcha. And that's why he's more of a flight risk, that gotcha. type of thing. Not to be confused with the VFW. Right. Um, or BMW uh-huh. or, you know, uh, BWI. Isn't that Baltimore's airport? BWI? I think so. So, but I'm sure you guys will tell us if we're wrong. <laughs> Not that it matters. Uh, okay, let's let's have some fun. Uh, if we missed anything on Alicia again, we had that little eight nine minute yeah. window. If we missed anything, please let us know. Or if there's something you wanted us to cover and we just flat out missed it because we, you know, missed there's a lot it. going on because we really missed it. Let us know that too. Um, and, and anyways, comment and say hi. I mean, it's the first one back, first episode back. So say what's up to us. Um, I love this show. I love, and I, yeah. I, we have good commenters and stuff. This is a smart show. Anytime you're on the internet, for those of you who are not as, as focused on YouTube as us, some of the people who comment on YouTube are a little less desirable. But I feel like the tweets we get, the YouTube comments, we get, it's really it's good it's people, good it's conversation. People. It's people who watch the show. I steal a lot of ideas from you guys. So if you could do me a favor and make all of your season predictions now, I will. Use them on the next show, but forget to credit you. How about that? At least he's honest. He's being really <laughs> honest today about all the things dishonest I, he's going to do the entire season. Listen, I just I just want to prepare the people. You know, it's an experience for the next five months. <laughs> uh, I was kidding about that, but if you do have predictions, we will. I love mean, them. We would love to hear them, and I won't steal them. We'll credit you. Uh, let's talk, Peter. Ooh, I okay, love it. First question, because we kind of saw this last year, and we had an inkling of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Do you – I know he's not running to win, and, and maybe a prediction is there that, hey, he's going to run and, and, and think he can win like a Donald Trump situation. But do you buy him as a presidential candidate? In in the real world, with Peter's history, could he even – is it a non-starter to even be a candidate? No. I think that's the thing about 
this country. <laughs> you say that as such a like a pejorative. Yeah, no, this country. This country loves a comeback story, and That's not true. and this couple doesn't come with one. It's going to come with two. And to say that through all their ups and downs and hills and valleys and turmoil that they've stayed together looking into each other's eyes and lovingly and longingly supporting each other, America eats that stuff up. (laughs) So do I, I mean, true enough, we all know that he's not winning, he's not running to win, but let's think about long-term strategy. There's tons of people who do that. They run the first time not to win, but just to get their name out there and get the notoriety so they can come back the next election really strong. I, I in the real world, I mean, let's I'll just say it. If Donald Trump is is running and winning in some polls, I mean, hell anything. No, look, possible. and I think and I think that's Donald Trump. I mean, I know he's funny and he's goofy and he's a sideshow and whatever, but he's he's kind of a parallel. So you have it's happened to the Republican Party the last couple election cycles. A because the GOP is going through a lot of dysfunction, yeah. and B because the Democrats have had Barack Obama. They're mm-hmm. like, we don't need a nominee. And even now, you know, you have Bernie Sanders and Hillary, which is closer than people realize. Right. But but Hillary is kind of the presumptive one, the one waiting, the very popular one, all this stuff. Um, but besides them, the Democrats haven't had this problem. But the Republicans last last semester, I almost said last term, last campaign. Uh, Herman Cain, mm-hmm. this campaign, Ted Cruz, right. Mike Huckabee, mm-hmm. Rick Santorum, mm-hmm. you know, and Donald Trump. And you have these guys, and, and Herman Cain was one of those guys. God bless him. He didn't want to win. He knew he wasn't going to win. You know, I, I feel like he was one of those guys running for the brand. Right. You know, which yeah. is what Peter's trying to do. Exactly. Here's the kicker. Yeah. Donald Trump is, was one of those guys running for the brand. Been talking about it forever. Obama's birth certificate, all this sort of stuff. Reality show host. He's been at the top of the polls for so long yep. now. Trump, as narcissistic as he seems, I think is buying his own bullcrap. Mm-hmm. And I think we are going to get to a point on this show this season where Peter buys his own crap just like Donald Trump. Um, and maybe that's an early prediction or whatever. But Peter is risking that same thing where it's like, hey, right now I'm just running, finish second in Iowa, vice president, cabinet position, whatever the case is, that's cool with me. I think he's going to, you know, he wins Iowa or he pulls better or whatever. And he says, wait a minute, the American people love me. Right. It's like, dude, no. (laughs) But I think he's already doing that with this drastic move, getting rid of Eli and bringing in Ruth right now in the beginning. Yeah. I think he's showing that, okay, everyone's saying I'm just running to run and get my name out there. And as long as I, you know, like finish second or whatever in Iowa, it's fine. But no, firing Eli who not only has been with you and ran all of your campaigns, but knows all your dirt, knows where all of your skeletons are buried because he buried them, knows all of your information with you, your wife, your kids, everything has been with you through thick and thin. You don't try to, you know, try to bring Ruth in and try to, over time, let Ruth lead and lead Eli's like co-campaign managers. No, off the bat, you go behind Eli's back and fire him, you're making a move for to be president. I don't care what everyone's saying. I don't care what the initial strategy is, but Peter is running to win. He's running to have everyone wear t-shirts that say Peter for president and Peter... <laughs> I mean, he is running to win. There's no other way. He's a narcissist. And we've talked about this on the show for a couple seasons right. now, um, at least since we've been on it. He is a narcissist. And, and when you have that, like Donald Trump, like a Peter... That's dangerous. That's yeah. really dangerous because you start buying your own crap very easily. And he has so much influence right now that he can – I mean he's a governor. He's not a joke. Yeah. You know, the man's a governor. You have so much influence you can play with right now. And now you have Ruth Eastman in your pocket who is the best from you know what we're told what we're and everything. Told. 
Um, that's dangerous. Yeah. It's really dangerous. And I love her as the character. Um, I love this actress. The thing Margo is... Margot Martindale? Mar- is that yeah, Margot Martindale. Okay. But the problem is she is also smelling herself. Yeah. Just the way she came in at Eli, at Alicia. She wasn't attempting to make friends and she's making that known. She has her own strategy and she's willing to knock over whomever to get where she wants to go also. If it is Alicia, you're just the wife. I don't care. But that's why Alicia's like, wait a minute. You don't know me. Mm-hmm. I don't know you. I think you need to understand I'm not I'm not the pawn that's normally the wife in these games. Like, Peter and I have an understanding, and you're going to respect me. And I've and I've gone through this last season with her being a state's attorney. And, and it going so horribly, Alicia knows a lot more now than she did before. I mean, we kept saying all that season, how are you this naive? Well, she can no longer be that naive. Yeah. So when Ruth is coming in attempting to craft her as the wife and this, that, and all the other, Alicia's like, no, I'm not playing that game. If we're gonna, if I'm going to play this game, it's going to be played the way I want to play it, and that means with Eli. Do you know my biggest red flag for Ruth Eastman in this episode? Let me see if you can guess it, actually. Or people at home if they're watching on the live mm. stream. Or if you're just watching this before I reveal it, if you're thinking about this. What do you think my biggest red flag of Ruth Eastman was in this episode? One very specific point. Um... When she said to Alicia, I think we got off on the wrong foot. No. No. But what? that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, when she said to Eli, when she was in Peter's office and Eli came in and she said something about, I don't, I'm not one for conflict. I don't like conflict. Oh, I don't want it to be contentious. I like it, yeah, I don't want it to be contentious. Then I want to make sure everything's copacetic. Right. Anybody who doesn't, not that you have to look out for conflict or contentiousness, but anybody who shies away from conflict in life is either A, totally lying and loves conflict and is a huge, you know, backstab or whatever you want to say, or B, isn't going to get that far in a career or whatever, because not that conflict is bad. Conflict is good. When you're conflicted with something, you change, you improve, whatever. I'm not talking about doing something bad to somebody. I mean, conflict isn't a struggle against yourself, against your circumstances, whatever. And if you say you shy away from it, you either don't grow very much. Right. Or you don't shy away from it, and you're a huge liar. Right. And she was that number two for me. I'm like, right there, red flag. You're saying you don't like conflict. You don't want any contention. You work in politics. Right. What are you talking about? But also, she making that statement started the whole thing yeah. between Peter and Eli. Eli's not dumb. And she knew that was going to happen. She, she knew, knew it. that was going to happen. So she wasn't allowing Peter to do what Peter was going to do. She's already manipulating Peter into doing what she wants him to do in the timing for which she wants it. He may not realize it, but it's going to come to a head sooner or later. I miss our old campaign manager. <gasps> Alicia's last year. Oh. Johnny. Was it Johnny? John Elf. Was it Johnny Elfman? I just know he was hot. She is, I mean, no offense. I love, you know, Margot Martindale. She's very pretty, but she ain't hot. She's not Alicia's love interest. She ain't hot. Yeah. That's too it's bad. It's going to be interesting. She's going to be a powerhouse, and we're going to see, at least in my opinion, I mean, Eli's no punk. Right. That's true. He's no punk, but now he's working with a different partner. It was one thing when he worked with Peter. And even a lot of times, Eli had to convince Peter to do certain things. And he definitely had to twist Alicia's arm. But Alicia's in a different place now. And I don't think she likes Ruth. She doesn't like Peter. Peter's going to do something outside of her boundaries. They're going to be a really dominating force. That's going to be interesting to see. And and what was the quote? I wrote it down. Let me find it. Um, you lost a friend. You just lost your greatest asset and made your worst mm-hmm. enemy. I believe that. Don't cross Eli. Don't cross Eli. But it's just a dumb move. I mean, he could have just handled that 
in in so many different ways. Well, Peter's a hothead. Peter's a hothead. He reacts really quickly. He overreacts. We've seen this time and again right. in a lot of situations. This was another one. Now, and, and I will say, okay, let's look at the big picture. Maybe he's right. Ruth has a national presence. So if you are going for a national office, even if it's not to win, you pick someone with a national presence. So it's not always what you do. It's how you do it. Yeah. And he handled this probably the worst way you could possibly do it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just the way you piss people off. And, and Eli, look, I, I respect the national presence, and and we don't know anything about running a presidential campaign. Right. I mean, come on, it's got to be huge to have a national presence. But just more broadly, like look at it more eso- esoterically. Mm-hmm. Look at it in a more esoteric way. I don't know if esoterically they, either is a way. Word. You either one, uh, you got it to work. <laughs> one or the other. Look at it in a more esoteric way. That's an SAT word. Eli knows. People and situations, Very. and the situations you're going to find on the national campaign trail, the, they're parallel to the situations in Chicago and in Illinois, and they're right. not the same. It's a bigger level. Ruth would certainly be an asset, but Eli's going to hit the ground running nationally, and maybe the issue is contacts and things like that. Like I get the, the logistics issue of wanting Ruth, but the way to go about it, right. especially to lose Eli, you're, you're the one guy in your corner. He says he's a hired gun to Alicia in that scene where he's watching the movie and she comes and says, right. I'm a hired gun. I'm not your friend. That's not true. No, I didn't definitely. buy that for a second. Oh, no. That's a family member. He's, totally. he's, he's in. He's never leaving. If he leaves, if he ever leaves the show, I'm, I'm, I don't want to come back. If he leaves the show, like this guy is in. You can't totally. get any more in. I mean, think about it. When it came to Alicia's, pre, you know, not pre, run for president, but run to be state's attorney. He got her a campaign manager, but was still there in the wings. Why? Because he's a family member. Yep. You know, and when Alicia found out that Peter fired him, she took him to the side and like, what are you doing? Why? Because you don't let go of a family member without some type of family conversation. I was a little thrown and and probably because that's the way that Ruth set it up. Peter didn't have a chance to talk to, to Alicia about it, but that's the type of decision that you talk to the entire family about because this changes Everything, Just like you set everyone down, just ask them and tell them that you want to run for president. You do the same thing with this kind of family member because he's been there for so long and knows so much. He has a table. I mean, he has a seat at the Thanksgiving table. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't change the dynamic for Thanksgiving dinner without talking about it. That's dangerous. Especially a race, especially like right. a presidential race. One thing, I, I believe very, very little of what comes out of politicians' mouths. And you should, too. Don't believe anything. Uh, but one thing that I do believe because I've heard them all say it. I believe Mitt Romney said this when he ran in uh, 2012 um, because he had run in 08 and it didn't work as well. And then he, he alluded to something at some point, made a big deal. And he was like, I sat with my family and talked about this for like weeks. Like we talked about this for weeks. We thought about it. We all thought it over. And the entire family is on board. And he could be given lip service and right. that's fine. And maybe, but it's such a commitment. They dig into everything. This this thing about Peter making his own choices and decisions, I get that he wants to be his man like Alicia wants to be her woman. Probably not the situation for that. No, and, and it's not it's not the truth. Like yeah. it's not realistic. The decisions that you're making do not just affect you. I mean yeah. I think that's when when Alicia had that epiphany going, okay, I don't want anyone else making decisions for me. I don't want to make decisions for Peter. Let me let him know that if you want to run for president, it's totally up to you. But you have to realize making a decision like letting go of Eli or changing your campaign manager, which is going to change everything in your family, doesn't just affect you. Yeah. 
And so that's not realistic to say, I'm doing what I want to do. Don't, like he said to Alicia, don't try to come in now and pretend like you have a voice. Well, she does have a voice. She has a voice. Grace has a voice. Exactly. Everybody in that Zach family has a voice. Zach has Everybody a voice. has yeah. a voice. And it's, and it's one thing. And I, maybe we're just too far on Alicia's side, but I don't think so. I think we're trying to be fair and we're, this is, Alicia wins this yeah. one. It's, Alicia is, a lawyer. She is still a lawyer. She is trying to find out how to make money to feed her family as a lawyer. So, mm-hmm. like, being a bar attorney, things, decisions like those, I get it. If Alicia had just decided on her own, making her own choice, and she was like, I want to be a, a, an animal trainer at SeaWorld now, you'd be like, well, wait a second. Right. That affects your family. She's in her parallel. She's trying to make money in her parallel. Peter, the presidency, first off, is in no one's parallel. Right. So you can't compare it. You, you, that's not a you decision. It's a totally different thing. He's doing a totally different campaign manager. It's going to change the trajectory of his next 18 months. More if he wins. He won't. But more if he wins. Um, and and that's not a loner decision. No. It's just not. And depending on what they find, even when he's making his presidential run that he's not going to win, could have lasting effects on... Alicia, she's getting out of a scandal now. Yeah. Grace and Zach. It's just, it's a huge thing that you do and you just don't make these kind of decisions. And if I'm on Alicia's side against Peter, that's saying something because I'm always on Peter's side. <laughs> I'm always on Peter's side. Why is that, well, Tara? Because I love Peter. Why is that, Tara? He's Mr. Big from Sex and the City. <laughs> It's just the truth. We have this great discussion for 30 minutes and then it breaks down to, you know, junk for... Hey, it's only 10 <laughs> seconds of junk, man. 30 minutes of good stuff. Uh, let's see. Peter, Eli, Ruth Eastman. I'm just looking at our board over here for folks who are listening to our show and not watching if they're listening to the podcast. we got a whiteboard off air. Um, I think we hit everything. Now let's get to Carrie. Mm. Poor Carrie. Can that law firm, which is now what... Lockhart, Ar- Argos, Argos, and Lee. And Lee. Is that the order? Lockhart, Argos, Lee? I'm not even Lee. sure. L-A-L? I may, because when one of the associates said it, referenced it, they, he just said Lockhart, Argos. He didn't even say Lee. So yeah. I wasn't even sure if Lee was still... I saw Lee on the logo. Right. They walked into one of the boardrooms, and it was I think it was Lockhart, Argos, Lee. Right. Not that it matters, but it does matter, and it matters to David Lee. It definitely matters <laughs> it to David Lee. absolutely matters to David Lee. That firm is a shell of what it used to be. It just, all the energy sucked out of it. It's an old person's firm. It's an older person's firm. And that's fine unless you're a younger person. Like, look at all these associates. I mean, and look at Carrie. Carrie's, what, 20 years younger than most of the partners in that firm? Carrie's been through a lot. Yeah, he's been through a lot. And who wants to be named partner of the firm? And now, I mean, I know it's all written all over his face. He either wants to be one associate again yeah. or two, he's out of there. Yeah. I mean, where else can you go? I'm a little... I don't really know what to say about Diane because she seems to be quite happy, or at least she did in this episode, but it's just pretty clear that Carrie is just miserable. Well, I think two decades of difference. I mean, Diane's not like, you know, on her deathbed and she's not going to retire next year. I mean, she's, you know, Diane's pretty active, Mm -hmm. but it's that two decades of difference where Diane, David Lee, uh, this is very generally speaking, but I think partners of that age and certainly the older ones that are falling asleep in meetings. Those people are, are thinking about legacy. They're thinking about retirement. They're mm-hmm. thinking about what they want to do, whatever it is, you know, going going working pro bono or working part time or whatever, because my dad's going through this right now with his firm. Right. Um, that's what they're thinking about. That's kind of where they're pointed. And Carrie is just getting into it. Just getting into it. And he's a young it. partner. And he's like, you know what? I got, what, 30 years left, 40 years left in law, maybe, depending mm-hmm. if he's 30 years old, we say. So uh, maybe. 30, Let's say 35 that. years left right. in law. Um, he does not want to be around this for that. And he doesn't want to see a sinking ship with his name on it. No. And 
something like a new billing system, I know it sounds really ridiculous to some people, but the way you bill in a law firm mm-hmm. is the way you live and eat and, sur- and survive. So if you have new technology that's coming out that everyone is adopting, because in my experience, when you work at law firms, if one firm does it, if one of the top, you know, shoe law firms does, does something, then everybody has to adopt it because you don't want to be the left out one. Yeah. Because you get a reputation of being the firm that's not moving forward. So not to change your billing system is a big deal. And Carrie gets it. The rest are like, eh, I don't see the benefit. We see this lesson a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, in TV shows and movies and everywhere. I hope that when we are very important people 30 years from now, I hope that when we are that age, I like change. I feel like maybe younger people like change anyways. They're like, I like change. Like, this is cool. But I hope that we don't get to the stereotypical version of the older partners in that law firm right. where you're where – you're, Averse to change because you don't understand the change. Yeah, and you I, know? I do think everyone in that firm's changing, yeah. but I think they're changing in different ways. Like, like you're saying, Carrie is trying to change and take the firm in, to its next step, the next 10, 20 years. Whereas a lot of those partners, I mean, even Diane, Diane got married in the last couple of seasons and her husband's doing her thing and she's had thoughts a couple of times of just going and okay, I'll just hang out with my husband and he's hot too and we'll do whatever, you know, people who are married to hot husbands do. So everybody's changing. They're just not changing in the same. And that's the thing. I mean, Diane's husband does very well for himself so she can leave the firm and and she has the connections and he has the connections. She can do a lot of stuff. David Lee's a hired hand, a a breeze in the wind and he's gone Mm -hmm. (laughs) literally. Mm -hmm. Um, How many times has David Lee been in and out? (laughs) Oh yeah. A hundred. So, uh, you know, Carrie's there and here's the other thing about Carrie. He really likes Alicia. I know that last year, like, everything ended and all the contention and, and, and her buying out of the firm or whatever. But don't forget who defended Carrie when he was in jail. Right. Um, that shouldn't be lost on him. It's not lost on me. Uh, I think he misses her. I think he misses her, and I think he misses the action and the energy because also – Carrie, at the age that he is, the way he was able to become partner was because he was really hungry and passionate and smart. Yeah. And it doesn't seem as if, or we haven't seen, we didn't see it in this episode, and toward the end of season six, we weren't seeing it either, him really doing something and being engaged and energized. I mean, the only thing I think we saw him being so energized with for at the end of season six was trying to get Alicia out and screw her out of her partnership severance. I think that was like the hottest and sexiest thing that he was involved in. So he also just might be playing bored, which is one of the most dangerous things that can happen to you when you're doing any job. So he just seems to be shriveling up, and it's really a sad thing to see. The carry and the associate, uh, the little handhold... <laughs> Um, let me ask you though, is that just a one-off, like a, a, a kind of a, a quirky thing about this episode and, you know, misunderstanding or whatever, or is there going to be something coming later? Are they foreshadowing anything? I don't, you know, I think it's so strange and so out of sorts. And when you and I were watching this and I saw him grab Carrie's hand, I said, who does that? Who does that? Not, and I'm not, I don't care if he's even, I don't care if Carrie was even coming on to him, but as an associate to a partner, as an employee to a supervisor, manager, whatever, who does that? I think they're trying to foreshadow against something else that's coming. And they were in that room. It was dark. They were by themselves, X, Y, and all the Z. It was just too bizarre. Yeah. Too bizarre. Hmm. Interesting. Prediction. Uh, Speaking of predictions, let's go to them right now because I want to get a couple minutes for them. And now, you're after Buzz. Real quick, before predictions, let me just say this. Ted Willoughby, American Idiot. Oh. That guy. Is it Mo Rocca? Does Mo Rocca play him? 
I think. I can't remember that guy's name. I have to look this up right now. Whoever it is, though, it's brilliant. Ted Willoughby is such a perfect, like, TV guy. Like, that's what I know about my candidate. Plus, do I want to have a beer with him? It's like, I think that's important. No, but it is, but that's the kind of important that American political TV has told you is important. Has been like, well, you know, the candidate has to be relatable. Well, sure he does, but look at like Bernie Sanders. Not relatable, (laughs) not enjoyable to have a beer with. Talking about really, really right. important stuff. So it's like, hey, relatable's cool, but like, I'm good with substance too. <laughs> like, I like some substance. Um, and I'm I, not. I thought it was great. I, I, okay, I got to look this up for him. But while I'm looking up, I think it's Mo Rocca. Uh, predictions moving forward. What do you got? I gave one or two already. I guess my big one, and maybe it's. I think it's pretty obvious. I not only see Alicia joining forces with with Lewis because I think it's just kind of inevitable. Mm-hmm. But I also see, of course, um, Luca coming too. I see the, the the trifecta coming into effect. Um, that's what I see. Fast and Furious happening in the next couple of episodes. I uh, I'm still looking up this Mo Rocca thing. I can't find it. I swear it's him, and it's mm. going to drive me crazy. And I have to do it right now on the show. How about that? So don't mind me while I'm typing and talking. I think that uh, we're going to see a Donald Trump like figure. Really, hundred percent. Hundred percent, because that's. I think they're gonna. Good Wife does such a good job satirizing everything mm-hmm. in a serious way. I mean, it's not hokey, but they do such a good job making a play on so many American political and social institutions. And I think another one that they're gonna do is the vanity, the true vanity candidate, worse than Peter, a a Donald Trump candidate, or maybe portray a Tea Party candidate right. or something. Like, there's so many options to get. Political candidates here, we're not going to get Hillary. We're not going to get Bernie Sanders. No. You can't have these people on. They can't come on right now. Um, I think we're going to get a Donald Trump-like candidate, and it absolutely is Mo Rocca. He plays uh, Ted Willoughby. But it, to, to bring on like a Donald Trump, which I'm not saying that wouldn't be entertaining because I'm sure it would be. Yeah. Would that be too parallel to season six where we had Alicia's <laughs> character and the guy – I can't remember the name of the guy who – who ran against her? Oh, the donor. Her. Oh, the, no, the the runner against yeah, her. Yeah, the, the donor runner against from her. Ed the, the runner against her. Just oh. you know, just having that other candidate that comes that sparks whatever. Who David we, Hyde Pierce played. Yes, yeah, what was his name? Yes, I cannot remember. My you guys tell us. Dog crap. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, bringing this character on will be a different play upon that. But of course, then having that character is going to affect Peter, Alicia, bring out their weaknesses, strength. You know, same thing that that character did with with Alicia, and maybe it's what Peter needs. I think I think a character, any Donald Trump like character, or any ridiculous political caricature, would force Peter to say something or do something that we would consider insane and it would push the envelope on a candidacy. It would either destroy his candidacy, which would be the downfall of his president arc this season, or it would build it up. Look what Donald Trump's done for himself in real life. If Peter said or did something for some constituency or group, it could build his candidate, his candidacy up. And then season eight is like a full on campaign season with him. Um, I don't know. I feel like something like that would add, Conflict, And it would also add conflict in an area that Peter and Alicia are not accustomed. And a crazy candidate, like a Trump parallel, could force Peter and Alicia to do something drastic or could force out dirt on Peter and Alicia that would take a whole left turn on the show. Right. Because I was about to say that if if Peter is going to run for president and like if something happens where he's really running for president, it's not just like, oh, getting this whole vanity play. Yeah. The game that they've been playing, the facade that they've had of being a couple, is not going to work any longer. Yep. You could do that when you're running the streets of Chicago and Illinois, but on a national level where everyone, and I don't just mean everyone in the United States is looking, everyone worldwide is looking. When Michelle Obama goes outside, she knows 
everyone is watching her every single move and analyzing all of it. They're not going to be able to play that game they've been playing any longer. That's an interesting take. That's a good one, Bobby. Uh, real quick before we go, Valerie Jarrett, who was on President Obama's staff for you know the first term or maybe more than the first term, uh, was on the show last season. Who predict to me the first maybe one major real-life political figure who is going to guest star on The Good Wife oh, this year? I don't know. Um, I, you know what? And I know he can't. I know he can't. But to even have a cameo for Donald Trump just makes sense <laughs> to me. That, that's just the one that and makes it, sense. The timing doesn't work because they would have they've been filming, right. so like he's been running, so it's not like he could right. come later in this. Yes. It's not going to happen. I think we're going to see. I'll say either John McCain or Meghan McCain or both. Because really? Meghan McCain's done a lot of television, like as a host. But Meghan McCain's been on TV a lot. John McCain is obviously not running, but he ran recently. Mm-hmm. He's got a pretty good reputation among like mainstream Republicans. Still, the Tea Party in that wing detests him but he's got a pretty good reputation mainstream moderate enough right. i think and and i don't know he's kind of doing a victory lap on his career i mean how much longer is this guy gonna be I in the senate i think he could be yeah i'll say john mccain or that's Megan interesting McCain. that's yeah. very interesting uh, and i don't know in what capacity who knows yeah who knows but that's that's my prediction i don't think we're gonna see sarah palin oh and i do have one other prediction oh. Go for Eli's assistant Nora. Her hair continue to be fantastic and fabulous. I just wanted to put that out there. I'm sorry. Is she the one who said, "Don't snap your fingers"? Yes. At me? Yeah. Her hair. I, I'm sorry. I'm just saying it now. Season seven because it was on point. Season six, but I could not let another episode go by. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm glad you're here because I would not have picked up on any of that. I don't that's, know. That's why I'm here, Bobby. I've already forgotten what Alicia was wearing all day. <laughs> Uh, hey, one of us is superficial looking at clothing and hair and stuff, and the other one is really, really deep. On that note, <laughs> Tara, Twitter, Instagram, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TJ Wagging Her Tail, and you can also check me out at wordswinewomen.com. Season two is coming up. She told Season me before the show. Season two is coming up. Sounds like they haven't had me guest star yet, but eh, still give it a look. We're working uh, on it. We're working on it. <laughs> you got to meet my terms. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Bobby DeMuro, Instagram at Mr. Bobby DeMuro. Uh, that's it this week. We'll be back next Sunday with Allison Law. Yes. Our normal time from now on, I guess we should say, is always 8 p.m. Pacific on Sundays. So if you are watching live stream, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern on Sunday nights. Good wife, rest of the year. See you in a week. Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 